0: Hi, this is Tamson Granger. And this
1: is Dan Abuhop.
0: <laughs> With Tamson and Dan, read the paper, February 5th,
1: 2024. All right. Here we go. Here we go. You know, uh, no birthdays uh, on the horizon. We covered that last week, but uh, nothing's going on. Valentine's Day's coming up. All
0: right.
1: And if you like to tell me, Valentine's Day is for amateurs. All right. So right. We'll, we'll firmly plant that thought. And not, not dwell on it. So right. you, here, here's what we've got this week. Again, a busy week. We went to, to the cinema, the movies. We saw a movie that I hadn't heard of until I found it an hour before we went called Driving Madeline, uh, which is a French film, uh, subtitles. Um,
0: yeah. Well, what a lousy title, really. Is
1: that a bad title?
0: I guess I, I would think so because all I can think of is Driving Miss Daisy.
1: Yeah, but the French didn't think that when they named the movie.
0: Well, they they um they didn't. It has nothing about driving mm. in the title. It's Un Bel Course.
1: Oh, there you go. Uh. You probably didn't even need the subtitles. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's the nothing about one. Madeline. I'm the only one who followed the subtitles.
0: You know, I feel like I am catching on to more French now. We
1: do watch a lot of shows in because French when we watch of, so many, yeah.
0: You know, police shows. That's right. That in are in French. French. Well, they're
1: very uh, interesting
0: police so people. We're beginning to recognize. So driving the parlay
1: Driving Madeline is a story. There is driving, and it's involved a the driver. Yeah. There's a taxi cab driver who uh, has, you know, challenges primarily financial, and he doesn't love his work, and he uh, picks up a fare. Uh, an older woman in her early 90s who is actually in the process of leaving her home to go to a, a senior facility. And uh, she uh, brings a single suitcase. He puts it in the back. And they have to drive really across Paris, as they both describe it, to get to that facility. And in the course of that drive… Uh, well, the
0: drive takes… An entire well,
1: day. it takes an hour and a half. takes the movie. Um, right. takes <laughs> no, an entire it, it day. takes You're them right. an Well, day. it takes so long because uh, after he's very cold at the beginning, uh, she manages to warm him up. They get a conversation going. She manages to tell her life story in large part, which is illuminated by flashbacks in the film. He manages to tell a little bit about himself. They bond. They uh, connect they stop socially. Stop for ice cream. Stop for ice cream. And they stop for dinner. And uh, eventually, he gets her to uh, her destination. Um, so, uh, what did you think?
0: I thought it was a perfectly pleasant movie.
1: Charming. Charming. Yes. Charmant. Charmant.
0: <laughs> you want to do the rest of the podcast <laughs> no, no, in French? No, no. I, I'm game. I'm no, no, not even close. You're going
1: to do most of the talking. No. Yeah. Charmant. Only
0: embarrass myself. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was good. And of course, as they point out in the reviews, you get to see a lot of Parisian sites you know so it's uh you know travelog yeah it's a travelog it's it's very pleasant
1: yeah and it was you know i don't want to sell short i mean i i think pleasant's the right word it is not gone with the wind or anything like it's that not with the wind. uh but uh it got uh rotten tomatoes 93% critics 98% audience yeah which is very high i mean it's 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 a little bit of a slight movie for that And and uh, but the the people are very good in it. Nobody we really know. Linné Renault, who's a singer, a Parisian singer, plays the lead woman in her. You do know her, actually. Was she in uh, Call Your Agent? Yes, as every French actor was. (laughs) Yes, yes, she 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 plays.
0: You know, there's one. uh, I did look it up because I thought that was the case. There's one where there are two. Elderly actresses who are kind oh, of yes, rivals. Oh, yes. I saw that one. And they right. have a big feud. Yeah. And they make well, you know, the NBA other woman
1: anymore. is in one of the movies that we saw The Coming Attractions in. The other uh, French movie, The uh, okay. was The Other Woman. Um, Interesting. Yeah, uh, Call My Agent. You're right. Uh, okay. She is in her 90s. So,
0: yeah, Call My Agent, by the way.
1: Yeah, I got it. It's a call great agent.
0: TV show. Oh, of course. It's of a course. French show. Yeah. You have to watch it with the it has subtitles as well. But again,
1: there's an English version, there's a UK US version. You gotta watch the French version. Right watch now. the French one. That's it's right. got a, Super an
0: Interesting Sensibility. And it, it, the again first, great sights. Don't be great thrown people. don't
1: be thrown by the first two episodes. You get it. Alright.
0: But back to and, and, driving and just whoever Madeline. else
1: you know and the other uh, the other main star is a guy named Danny Boone who's apparently a star in France who started out as a comedian there. Um so he's well-known And they, France. Were,
0: they were good. They and, were good, In man. fact, I mean, the, the character in the movie, her character is 92 years old. Right. She was like 92 when she made oh, this yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's legit. Yeah. And yeah. she's lovely.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's not too much to say about that. But uh, well, it is it. what it is. It is what yeah. it is. It's a pleasant afternoon.
0: It, you know, it's um, her story, her life story is kind of riveting. Yeah. So there, there is that. It's uh, it's,
1: it's surprising. It's, I mean, it, it's it's not like it's so totally formulaic. And she's you know, just uh, reminiscing about a, a a very normal life, and she's getting old. There are things that happen to not her. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it, there's some there are things that go on. Uh, so yeah, we recommend it. Although again, not gone with the wind. Um, then, uh, not sitting on our laurels, not resting on our laurels. We went to the theater uh, yesterday, and in this case, we went to Music Mountain Theater. We've done I mean that local theater, local, local theater, community, type community theater. Community theater—that's the key thing, Nicole. Community We're not theater, quite
0: community. Why it's, do you
1: say it's not community? Because they
0: have—I um, would think of community as just um, a local group that, like a club. Mm-hmm. This is more like it's a theater. They have a company. Yeah, they pay people.
1: Uh, uh, yeah. Do you think they pay actors? Yeah. Really?
0: Well, the 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 company gets, I think, some kind of remuneration. Uh, yeah.
1: The company might, but I don't think the actors do. i the, Look, I don't know. The company of actors. Really?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: News to me. But it, you know,
0: it, it is. uh I think of I the mean, actors. I'm, I don't think everybody yeah. gets paid. Yeah. But I, it is.
1: Money changes hands. Okay. I wouldn't have thought. Look, they
0: they have positions. I don't know if money changes hands or they get paid in popcorn or what it is. But uh, they, you know, they have a company.
1: Look, there's a range of actors in it. Some are your friends and neighbors. Remember a guy in a previous production that was sort of the barista at the local uh, shop, right? Or a local local giant. Uh, you would see him around. Uh, and so there are a couple people who in their bios uh, say they've been on a lot of cruise ships and things like that. So we're semi-pros and uh, yeah. they're not what you would call professional actors in the mm-hmm. way we see on Broadway and off-Broadway. It's not that at all. No. No. Uh, so it's an odd combination. And uh, or let's just say it's a, a variety. And uh, we don't hold those kind of productions or certainly don't hold the actors who are, many of them, just really amateurs. Uh, We don't hold them to a very high standard, Uh, but we have enjoyed a couple of productions in the past. Uh, This one was a little uh, more ambitious. Uh, I should say what it was. It was a production of City of Angels, which was And
0: we went because it's your favorite
1: musical. It's not my favorite. My favorite uh, unknown musical. Favorite musical- Unknown for good reason. Well, it's not unknown. It won the Tony for Best Musical in 1990 or so.
0: Unknown to the general
1: public. It's, It's an excellent musical. Uh, it's written by Cy Coleman and David Zippel and Larry Gelbart. And, and I'm, I always thought it was one of the funniest musicals. And then Larry Gelbart. Just, but you've so never clear. seen it. So
0: how could you think it was I could funniest? tell by the
1: score. This Larry score Gelbart, is deadly. Just so we're, deadly. Just so we're clear about this. Larry Gelbart. There's
0: one or two songs they play on your channel. And those aren't bad songs, but then there's a whole. I, I, I know rest all the, the songs. Show.
1: I know all the songs. Not,
0: you don't know all the songs. Name a song. I'm I'm on it. <laughs> no, you can't. The point is, you can't. I said, I are could... there any other good songs yeah, coming sure. up? And yeah. you said, uh, I don't know.
1: And I said, I don't like to look ahead. I'd like to just uh, yeah, the experience. You, you don't know. Okay. And it was Larry Gelbart. Just so we're clear. Somebody wrote, must uh, have can, can changed hands for you to
0: be so Let me devoted
1: finish this to sentence. this musical. Larry Gelbart wrote the book for this and for Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. a musical almost as funny as this and also created MASH. So he knows what funny is. Look, here's here's the deal. All right. Number one, the show was fair. Okay? Fair. I mean, it, it was fine. We had a nice enough afternoon. And, there were some
0: good performances. And there's
1: a couple of good performances. And a couple of people put the songs over. Uh well, uh and it was I said before it was more ambitious because generally the Music Mountain Theater uh has what I call canned music they're playing a tape of the musical uh, numbers and people are singing along to them which is the way I think many regional theaters operate for this they had a live band they had a, 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 a
0: recording
1: th- really? th- well, yeah what did I say tape yeah tapes tapes now are the recording no one has tapes tape. I think it's very prevalent my point <laughs> is this my point. Is that they had we a got live out the band? Eight track <laughs> they had an eight from track from when
0: City of Angels was first produced.
1: They had a live band yesterday.
0: The live band was excellent. Yeah, live so it's a four really piece, excellent.
1: and that's the kind of score it is. It's kind of a jazzy score. So you know, it's not your normal orchestral uh, type of music that you might associate with a Broadway musical. So um, it was, you know, uneven. Uh, but here's the thing. Um,
0: well, you should tell people what the story is.
1: Oh, the, well, the story, it's hard to explain. The story is... It's, it's
0: one of those uh, California detective stories. Yeah, film
1: noir. Film noir. From,
0: uh, you know, from the mid-century.
1: No, but, but, but it's the, two, the, the gimmick is this. You have two st- st- stories going on simultaneously. One is a story in real life in which you have a fellow who's a novelist who is adapting his novel for the screen. Under the thumb of a professional screenwriter, who's sort of a Hollywood, director, not a
0: screenwriter, director. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he was the director.
1: Well, he was both, I think, and uh, he was changing the screenwriter, he gets the screenwriting credit. That was one right. of the things going right. on. That calls him a screenwriter. But my, but my point is that he has to keep adapting his screenplay to fit the whims of this director slash screenwriter, and he finds that unpleasant. At the same time. The other story is the actual plot of the book-slash-screenwriting. And uh, so you're seeing both of these happen simultaneously. you mean
0: you're seeing the movie.
1: Yeah, you're seeing the movie. You're kind of seeing the movie. Scenes from the movie movie that is being created at the same time you're watching scenes of real life of the writer and and the producer-slash-director. And yet it's all played for laughs, and there's a little hijinks going back and forth, and there's some members of the cast who are both in fantasy movie and in real life. Um, so it's tricky. Uh, it's a little bit of a farce. It's supposed to be funny. And here's the problem, okay? It wasn't funny. The production we saw yesterday wasn't funny. And I said to you afterwards, I don't understand. This was supposed to be a funny, funny show. And from what I've heard of it, I think it's a funny, funny show. And you said, I don't see how that's possible. And we, I looked up a review by Frank Rich, and it, his review basically said it was like the funniest show he had seen in his entire life. He literally said the laughter emanates from the balcony and cascades down to the orchestra. <laughs> literally said that, okay? And I will tell you this this production did not get a single laugh there, the entire... no
0: there were a couple of snickers. <sighs> ah, yeah, yeah there, snickers. Yeah, Daniel, there were there were Maybe. little bits that people okay. got. The, so yeah. the
1: question in my mind was How come they're not getting any laughs? And I don't have the answer to that question. I think what it tells me is that uh, there's a lot more to getting laughs than just reading lines. And in some ways, it's easier to learn how to do a solo song and put it over effectively than it is for a performing company to master the back and forth and the dialogue with the right pace and the right timing in order to create that kind of comedy. That's what I think I learned from that. Because – this music mountain theater puts on a different show every two weeks, and I'm sure they rehearse this more
0: than
1: two weeks, three weeks, okay, three weeks at most.
0: No, they put on a lot. Of, they put on a lot of shows. So there's okay. very little rehearsal going
1: on here. Is my point? We, I think you'd agree you know with know
0: that. don't know how much re- Not, Not enough how- rehearsal. Not enough rehearsal going on. They
1: can't have much rehearsal. you
0: know. You
1: know. They can't have much rehearsal, and uh, I mean these people have jobs.
0: <laughs> okay, let's. Let's stick to what we know. Okay. It was... uh, Well, no, uh,
1: that to me was the most instructive thing, that comedy is hard, that the comedy is not so easy, that there are many more people who can sing and make an enjoyable song uh, on relatively short preparation, than you can find people who can put together a comedy on that kind of short order. That's what I
0: learned. Well, uh, different uh, styles of comedy are more challenging than others. Okay. That could be. And, And definitely this... Needed to be, you know, uh, you think of farce, you think of fast paced, right. um, you think of wordplay, etc. And uh, so people were definitely trying to talk quickly, but it didn't work. Right. It just, uh, they were tripping over their lines and just, you know, um, the audience just wasn't getting it. So so that was too bad. But it did get us to that theater, yeah. which we've been to before, and some of the excellent productions, mm-hmm. and made us think, okay, now we got to come back to some other shows. right? That uh, Which we will. Yeah, yeah, which we definitely will. Including,
1: possibly, for the grandchildren, they have a children's uh, set of productions. So we're eyeing that. We're taking a hard look at that. <laughs> All right. Right. So we All have right, that. So that should be fun. Yeah. So it was a good afternoon. It was a good afternoon. Um, OK, so now we get to the paper, and this is, this is right away, we're into something that you've been talking about, I think, once a month for the past six months, maybe. and that is no, longer, than that. longer than that. All right. And that is uh, non-alcoholic drinks, in this case, a non-alcoholic beer.
0: Yeah, so there was a terrific story in the um, Wall Street Journal, right. in the business section, the exchange section, right. about uh, athletic brewing and how it came about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was very fun to me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's a huge picture and it's a huge article. On athletic brewing, you probably, I don't know who, where you the, you, the listener, is, but certainly in this area of the country... Every supermarket that has non-alcoholic beer seems to have athletic brewing Listen, beer. Listen,
0: I was at the Morgan Museum the athletic, in the cafe. They had
1: athletic brewing beer?
0: They had, you know, they had a selection of several beers. They had a non-alcoholic beer, and it was the Athletic something right. or other IPA. Right. Um, okay. And so it's... Everywhere.
1: So the story is about this fellow, Bill Schufelt who was with uh, what's called Point Seventy Two Asset Management. And that is the hedge fund that uh, Steve Cohen uh, managed. Steve Cohen, the mm-hmm. guy who owns the Mets now. And, uh, of course, Steve Cohen, the person upon which the show Billions is based on. And he obviously was making good living working for uh, that hedge fund. And yet, in 2017... He left because he saw a market opportunity, namely the notion of developing and distributing a non-alcoholic beer. He thought the market was just missing out on that.
0: Well, the thing was, yeah, he was he was like he was a crazy guy.
1: Yeah, he,
0: he was working working out very intensely. Right. He was like working working hard, working out hard, and I guess partying hard. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. And at a certain point, he says, "All right, I'm stop drinking." And uh, he can't, uh, you know, he he says it gets, you know, it gets dull always, uh, you know, trying uh, um, not to drink or just right. not drinking. Um, so you want to drink the non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. And he said there are no decent ones out there.
1: Right. Which I think is wrong. But in any event, uh, that's his well, experience. No, that's I, way, I don't know where he was. I, you know, and that's the way he describes yeah. it. I, okay. I'll come back to why I think it's wrong. but But the point is. Uh, but
0: this is 2017.
1: Right, 17, and you don't know even what's...
0: before that, he starts the company in 2017, he's thinking about it. You know, before that, all right, right. So he's well, he's thinking a... that. That's a while ago, Dan. That, you know, he was probably this is probably 10 years ago. that well, he's all right, but uh, trying, He's looking me, for non-alcoholic. Let me make my options. point
1: here, okay? Because what I, my point actually goes back farther than that. But 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 in any event, even. Let's let's tell his story first. So he he advertises for a brewer.
0: Well, he quits his job quits and decides it. he's going to develop right. a decent tasty. And beer. he puts
1: out, you know, a classified ad probably on the internet. No. And uh, the he's uh,
0: he,
1: he does. He posts
0: an opening on... A,
1: that's the same thing.
0: No. It's the same thing. It's, you know, on a site. How do they describe it there? For beer, you know.
1: Yeah, beer brewers.
0: Classified like beer, ad on the internet. a classified ad. What are you talking about?
1: That's, that's, what, that's what that is and in any event he, he puts it out there and most people aren't interested cuz as soon as they hear non-alcoholic beer they're turned off so he changes the text of this to take out the word non-alcoholic
0: no he yeah he yes, did, he, yes. he had already realized yeah that he d- couldn't bring up people won't talk to him if he says non-alcoholic right. so when he posts that opening right okay he makes a point of not mentioning that it's a non-alcoholic right. thing but it's just uh, a I tremendous said. opportunity. Exactly
1: what I said. So, uh, and he finds this this fellow uh, named John Walker, who uh, becomes the uh, brewer. Uh, comes from a different part of the country, New Mexico, I think. And Lures
0: this guy into in.
1: Into Connecticut or wherever he's doing Gets it. Gets this
0: guy on the phone and immediately flies out there.
1: Yeah, look, there. I don't know what's, what's true in this story, what's not. But the point is that they developed a beer in the way you figured they would. They make it in small batches. They make it in slightly bigger batches. They bring it to events. They have people taste it. People say they like but, it. But you it
0: know. was no small thing. Of they, course not. They, they had to come
1: up yeah.
0: with, a, they felt, a totally new methodology.
1: Well, yes, but that's not true try either. Try to. Okay.
0: That's not true. No, look. Here's
1: the thing, Tandy. Look,
0: th- look. There, there are basically two ways to do this. One is to brew beer, yeah, and take out the alcohol, yeah. Another is to brew a beverage right. that tastes like
1: beer. Okay. Here's why I keep but pushing back alcoholics. on this a little bit, and they've had a big success, and I'll come back to their success in a minute. But in Europe. Non-alcoholic beers have been around for a while. There are 39 different types of non-alcoholic beers in Germany alone.
0: Okay, that's fine. Okay. The point was, there's not that much here. Well, that's the thing. Okay. He saw, he's a money guy. Yeah, all right. He saw an opportunity. Right, but he's not. That's what I think is brilliant about this. It's a marketing
1: opportunity. It's It's a
0: marketing opportunity. So he's going to
1: use his skills, All all right, to fill this need. It's marketing. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. It what's is fine. fine with that? Okay, but it's not like they invented the wheel. It's not like the guy said, "Here's a new way to brew beer." Everyone knows how to brew non-alcoholic beer. It's just
0: fun that yeah. it is. This succeeds yeah. in a tremendous way. All right. Well, part of it was part of it was like a no-brainer. Yeah. It's like the one segment of the market. Right. Uh, the, you know, people are drinking less beer actually. Right. And but what's really growing is. The consumption of non-alcoholic beer. Right. Okay. So that's kind of the opposite. He also made some other realizations that it wasn't teetotalers who are buying the non-alcoholic beer. In many cases, it's people who drink beer, but they don't always want to drink alcoholic it's beer. It's not many
1: cases. It's most cases. Yeah. 80% so you, of so their customers. That's
0: the customer 80% of the
1: customers are after. drinkers, right. right? But that's my point to you I've been making it all along. You can't have an establishment that just has non-alcoholic beer. The only way to sell but they is do. to sell it with people, alcoholic no, beer. No, people, people do, all right? I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't think that's true. No,
0: there are no, there's a place uh, I think it's called Seychelles or something in in um Charleston. He actually, they, it's mentioned in that article. I understand, but he that's, goes there and he tries that. Okay. You know, he tries the beers there, et cetera. Um, there are all, you know, there are many places to market it. It's in grocery stores well, but, but, that do not have liquor licenses. I don't know about that. It is, Daniel. They don't say that here. Okay. Yeah.
1: I, look, my point is this: they might be in grocery stores. That's not. I, I don't. I don't care whether it's in grocery stores or a small store that just happens. To have it. My point is you're selling it to people who are drinkers, generally speaking, either because – two ways. And this is what the article says. They say 80% of the people buy it are drinkers. They are in a situation where they've had a beer or two and they say, I want to you know, pull back on the alcohol. I'm getting a non-alcoholic beer. Or frankly, you're in a group of people. Four of them want alcoholic beer and the other one wants non-alcoholic. All right? So it, it works in that kind of mixed yeah, environment. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Yeah. All right? And – it is anyway back to this beer it's become the number one non-alcoholic beer in the US all right and non-alcoholic beer is the largest is the, the fastest growing segment of all beer types in the US okay in grocery stores it's gone from less than 1% to 2.2% of all the beer sold uh in some supermarkets that are health oriented like whole foods non-alcoholic beer is 10% mm-hmm. Of, of the beer sold. And I th- I believe, yes, I think this is right, that Athletic actually sells more than any kind of beer in Whole Foods. It sells more than the uh, alcoholic beers that are sold by Whole Foods.
0: Well, I think he really jumped in with both of you. I mean, he raised a tremendous yeah. amount yeah. of money. I mean, you talk about them developing it in, you know, they're, they're developing it like in a garage, right. like all great uh, inventions. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, Again, from his background, you know he was able to all right look it's fine it, it, it is you a big know.
1: success story. I'm pushing back a little because I don't like the beer but uh, that's it's gonna... a
0: silly thing okay okay I don't all like right. the beer either, but uh, it's just kind of a fun story
1: but I do like it, non-alcoholic beer. But I just don't like that one.
0: Okay, fine. But you don't have to be mad at him for that. You, I, first of all, I don't think you've tasted all their different... No, kinds. I haven't. They, all all right. Right. I've only they, done two or three. They have yeah. a lot of offerings, to be honest. And, um, you know, so maybe you should look around. I, I think, you know, it's just interesting that, uh, you know, that he did... He clearly was a little dissatisfied with his life, with his yeah, career. It's a, it's a you great know.
1: Uh, product story.
0: And, uh, you know, it's not like he gave up everything... And went out and went to a farm and started raising hops or sheep or something like that. I mean, he's still working in ways that he's using his skills. He's using his, you know, uh, resume to continue to, you know, produce something. And he produces, you know, a great product at the perfect time. Right. Okay. And he's done the marketing analysis and, you know... they mentioned he, you know, he he pays for certain studies and things. He does this very intelligently, hmm. you know. It just not, it didn't just fall off the truck. And when you see the speed with which that company got going wow. and and, and um, really took over.
1: Well, look, I, to me, distribution is everything, right? And he's got it distributed. And what distinguishes it from the other beers that we've been talking about, uh, the U.S. beers in particular. It only does non-alcoholic. In other words, the ones he's competing against, with the exception of O'Doul's, which everyone has been saying for 25 years is terrible, uh, is, you know, Bud has a non-alcoholic product. Sam Adams has a non-alcoholic product. So they already
0: have the distribution. They They have have tremendous advantages. But but
1: except for, it's you know, it's clearly a secondary type offering of theirs. This guy's out there with a name that's only associated with non-alcoholic. We specialize in this this we is We do it thing.
0: well. Yeah. And it's a great yeah. product. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Course, you know, some of the beers, some of the non alcoholic beers we love or I love and enjoy um, well, fairly yeah. frequently are actually Guinness. Yeah. There are imports. Guinness. Guinness. Uh, Stella has a nice and one. And Peroni. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. so it's an Italian beer. So that that's my point. But uh, uh, look, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'll try the other brands, uh, the other flavors, I guess.
0: Well, I still say uh, – Not a believer. It's a fun story. It is a fun story. Yeah. All
1: right. So there's an article here and this sounds like you read something like this every few months and you wonder why I'm talking no, about it. No, it's
0: more like every 20 minutes. Uh,
1: Quitting Your Smartphone, A Guide to Taking the Plunge. This is a guy named Kashmir Hill who writes for The Times, who wrote uh, last month, that he really thinks he should quit his smartphone and go to a flip phone uh, for all the reasons you'd expect, it's taking over his life. You know, he wants to connect with people more. Maybe a simpler way or a better way, and he actually proposed something called um, flip phone February. It's like dry January, you know. You know, and he has three hundred some odd thousand people now who've saluted that, who say they're going to flip phone February. They're only going to use a flip phone in February. Really, three hundred thousand. Three
0: hundred
1: twenty-six thousand, and he. uh Also, but he he leaves the article with something interesting. Uh, There's a company called Fabuwood, who is a kitchen cabinet manufacturer in Newark, and they instituted a new company policy, no phones allowed during meetings, Uh, and it extended to no smartphones at work. And according uh, to the uh, guy who runs this company, a fellow named Joel Epstein, who happens to be a Hasidic Jew... um, once they eliminated smartphones in the workplace, uh, they became more productive. In particular, you know, I don't know how one substantiates this. He was observing people and it was the people who were highly relying on their smartphones who were the least productive people at the company, he says. I'm just repeating what it says in the article. And once they said no smartphones at work, uh, those people's performance improved markedly. So it's not just a matter of you have a richer life and you'll finally you know, be looking your wife in the eyes and you'll pay attention to your kids. It's even better in the workplace if you don't have a smartphone, according to this fellow. Well, that, I mean, heard. that
0: seems like a no-brainer.
1: You think that's true?
0: Yeah.
1: Really? I think most businesses Because I say think s- a
0: lot of people spend time doing uh,
1: nonsense on their phone. Well, that could be.
0: Okay. That could be. So you don't have the temptation. You don't— uh, Right.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah, maybe it's that simple. Uh, but he says within – again, Epstein says within six months productivity, whatever that means, was up 20%.
0: Right. So what does this have to do with the flip phone? Were they allowed well, to the, carry flip phones? Yes. Work? And
1: people go to the flip phones because you need a flip phone in case there's an emergency phone call or something like that. Uh, and apparently – or a flip phone that at least gives you access to Uber, to Maps, maybe to Spotify. Uh, certainly you need directions, Right. Uh, so you need directions, and you need to be able to talk to people once in a while if they go into labor or something. But but so this, all
0: the people at this company got flip phones,
1: pretty much every flip phone. Yeah,
0: sales skyrocketed.
1: That's not that big a company. That uh, it didn't really move the needle on that. But
0: uh, you know, in the rest of the article, so how is is the about guy the guy who's writing the article? How's he doing with with the flip phone?
1: He says uh, he's doing uh, well. I mean, uh, he comes back to his own situation. He says it's working well. Uh, he says he's identified some situations where you need the flip phone. More and more parking, for example, requires that you have a, a smartphone. So you're going to miss more than than social media sites. Yeah. Uh. So it's hard. It's hard to navigate a little bit. Yeah. Uh. So you have that. I mean, look. The answer is obviously to use the. Fl- your smartphone in a limited way, in a way you really just need use it. it the way
0: we use it. Well,
1: that's... I don't want to put us out there as, as the <laughs> no, avatars. No, it's... A,
0: no, 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 it's not... It's we're an, not on
1: social media that way. Other right, people... Right,
0: right. So we we don't... Uh, you know, it's by default.
1: Because we can't do it.
0: No, it's not because we can't do it. We don't do it, okay? Yeah, okay. We're, we're not... Uh, it, You know, it's not what we're looking for. Right. Okay? It just happens to be how we use the phone is... You know, fairly limited. But, it's, it's but we're related. not making a point of it. It's not a political point for it's us. It's related that we, not we a moral grew up. Stand. It's it is
1: related to our age, honey. I mean, That's clearly the case, right? We just didn't grow up in a phone culture, right? So, right, but
0: even even as far as phones go. Yeah. We were never as phonish as no. people. No. It was just landlines.
1: Right, We're not the kind of people who call and Well, in world. any event, yeah. if you read this article and take it 100%, you would be persuaded that well, there's some kind of... Well, it's not going to be the last one. Some, no, kind, of no. movement, some okay. kind of movement. Some kind of movement. I'm
0: glad you brought it up.
1: Thank you. All right, give us the museum update. That's what you've been waiting to do. Go ahead.
0: No, I mean, not waiting. You know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, not the happiest news. Museum update... Um, there's an article mentioning that, uh, the Rubin Museum, yeah. um, uh, which is, uh, how would I describe it? Uh, somewhat, uh, downtown It's basically in the, um, West 17th street.
1: That's downtown.
0: Well, yeah. it's not downtown, like downtown,
1: but, right. uh, I
0: mean, downtown. you know, uh, um, in a building actually previously occupied by Barney's.
1: Oh, God. I was at Barney's. Yeah. 60 years ago, yeah. 50 years anyway, ago. Anyway, the Room
0: Museum, famous for um, its uh, actually uh, largely Asian offerings, um, especially uh, Tibetan and uh, Nepalese. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lovely, beautiful, transporting place. I've only been there once. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I was there, I said, "Oh, I could see coming back here," mm-hmm. and that was ten years ago. And I actually haven't, mm-hmm. um, so shame on me. But it is um, going to close their building, all right. And uh, so this becomes a headline of the you know the museum is going out of business or whatever. Um, it's not going out of business. If you go to the website, mm-hmm. the website says we're you know changing our concept of uh, what a museum is. okay, well, that's okay. okay. Um, but we're not going to have a building. It's not a, a purely financial thing. They have a very good endowment. They have an endowment of $150 million, Ooh. which is very good for a museum of that size. Right. All right. But um, there have been challenges when it comes to operating expenses. We right. were running a deficit last year, or 2022, oh. Of about $6 million. Well, but let me ask so you... So that what that means is
1: yeah. no one's coming to the museum. Okay, but but let me ask you about this. I saw the op-ed piece in the Times that says uh, it's a, we're at a tipping point and it's important that museums follow through in returning uh, artistic objects that were taken from places like Tibet and Nepal and places like that and... Uh, they said this. Some people think this will not deplete museums unduly, and that's true of the Met. But take the Rubin Museum, for example, they're going out of business because they have to return those items. You're that's saying not that's not at true? All the
0: case. That's not all the case. So ca- the Times have, is wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, okay. um, right, this collection, I mean, they have pieces yeah. that uh, there has been questioned about, right. right? And investigated, and in some cases, those are being returned. But they have plenty of. Uh, they have really plenty of stuff. They're going to continue to do um, uh, traveling exhibitions. Yeah. And they're going to explore other possibilities. But I think the point is um, it's just not feasible Hmm. to have a building of that size in that location Hmm. for people to come and see the objects Hmm. uh, in person because they're just not doing that. Now, the, the... the article you talked about was written by Aaron Thompson, a professor of art crime at John Jay College, who says, uh, you know, there are many ways, there are many things you can do without closing your museum. You know, it's just like, I mean, uh, this person makes it sound like they're just almost out of spite closing up the museum yeah. um, because their collection is being questioned. Yeah. Um, that You could have videos of, uh, you, you know, these objects shouldn't... Um, Shouldn't be, you know. You can't really understand these objects just in a uh, vitrine somewhere in a building. You, it has. They have to be in their, you know, original context, part of the ceremonies they belong to, etc. Um, so you, you could have replicas, perhaps. You could have. Uh, videos next to the leper uh okay. replicas you know i mean that's nonsense that's ridiculous that's what you know you don't need a building for that you indeed you can say all right so the uh museum is going to be a website and they can show those kind of things on um uh, the streaming or whatever well, well, um uh, but uh you know i found uh, so John- i found the i found the um Op-ed piece, just a, okay. a little, bit uh, John Jay, silly.
1: The John Jay School is more about uh, criminal law than it is about art. You know.
0: Well, there, I mean, uh, that, but, uh, uh, the professor also goes, you know, into when I first went to Kathmandu and I saw how many people, you know, participate in these ceremonies. Yes, good, wonderful. I mean, um, it just uh, seems to me. That uh, it's um, not about robbing anybody of their culture. If that was the case at some point, well, you know, those, uh, you know, uh, perhaps things are going to be returned. But there's, it's hard to really, you're never going to get the full impact of any work or piece except in person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other than that, it's just a portrayal, a picture, okay. a screenshot uh, of art. So uh, I don't think we you know, can limit, I don't think we want to limit our understanding of uh, international culture uh, based on only being able to see it in situ um, anyway. Okay. But, I, you know, I just uh, thought we should straighten out the Rubin... Is um, you know, hopefully it continues to exist in some form, but it's downtown Manhattan is not
1: going to be the place. Okay. So um, there is always a, uh, a column, if you will, a segment in the Wall Street Journal on the back page of the first section, or maybe the art section, called Masterpiece. And uh, sometimes it's work of art, sometimes it's a film, sometimes it's a book. In this case, it is the film I Know Where I'm Going by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. And uh, I Know Where I'm Going, uh, by no coincidence, is one of our all-time favorite films. Is that a fair statement? Yes. Uh, and it's not, you know, it, it's interesting to me that they celebrate it in the Wall Street Journal because it's one of those you feel – not everybody knows this movie, you know again, not like gone with the wind i mean it's it's, it's not it wasn't that big it's a movie not gone with the wind. it's an english film uh it stories stores uh wendy Hiller Roger Livesey uh, it's about uh a woman who who is uh taking a trip uh to meet her intended who's this very wealthy person in, uh in this island, which is uh, a little hard to reach and she has trouble getting there uh because of the weather what country is that? well she's
0: about to get married for money it's
1: in scotland is and that where it is i think it is. i forget yeah she's
0: about to get married for money and then you know of course en route to that yeah. um the fates intervene and uh she falls in love with somebody else
1: right well
0: she, she, so she the, a, i mean it's a, it's, a kind it, of a it's much more tale. complicated to that it i mean was. we're not going to do it justice not, it's not too complicated
1: um but um it's uh... The truth is, it's it's a magical film in that you're watching it and you're kind of taken to a different place. And the course of events aren't as simple as the intentions of a couple of people. The weather is sort of as life of its own. The people have their own culture that is life of its own in a sense that's influencing her in very subtle ways. And it seems like all these forces of the universe... Are working uh, in, in to keep uh, her there, yeah, in sort of a <laughs> synergistic fashion to keep her there, and at the same time to orient her to see things a little more clearly. And and she's, it's almost like a mystical thing without a heavy hand. Uh, it's a black and white film. Uh, it's it's much more complex than it seems. When was it made? And it, it's a brilliant film. Uh, it was made in the nineteen forties. I don't nineteen forty five. Made at the end of the war. Okay. Um and uh takes place at the end of the war. It yeah. takes place at the same time. Look, let me put it this way. You could argue it's the best film we've ever seen. It's, it's an amazing well, film. It's an amazing film. Here's the film. funny thing. Yeah.
0: We first saw it.
1: Yeah. Fifty years first saw it. ago. Yeah, right.
0: Fifty years, it was ago.
1: A, and it was an old movie then.
0: It was an old movie then, but that means it was only thirty years. Ago.
1: But we thought it was <laughs> on television, and uh, we, you know, we were actually we were in a
0: magical place. We were ourselves. at your aunt's we were place, visiting yeah. Yeah. Um, my father's cousin Martha on right. the Susquehanna River, right? And uh, she was doing things like you know, baking bread in a coal-burning oven, right. uh, and uh, it was raining outside. We were stuck, you know, we couldn't do any of the things we would otherwise do there to enjoy the locale. Yeah. And so we turn on the TV and this is playing.
1: And small it, black and white TV watching, know, watching this film. Small
0: black and white T V watching a small black and white
1: movie. And it was and captivating. It was captivating. Unbelievable. Yeah. And uh look you know what occurred to me and, and this is I'm what? sorry. Finish your thought first.
0: No, I just wanted to say and of course at the end Don't sh- give it the end. Oh, okay. don't, don't give
1: away the end. But, but he, he, here's what
0: I. No, i not what happened. Oh, The what? credits. Yeah. We notice in the credits.
1: Oh, you got excited about that, not me.
0: <laughs> no, it just. There's,
1: there's a little, little girl, girl in the movie. There's a little
0: girl in the movie. She's played by Petula Clark. Petula Clark? Well, Petula Clark. That's a little was girl. Was a popular singer in the 70s. Right. Okay. So, so we're saying, wait a minute, that was Petula Clark.
1: So the thing is, that, you know what occurred to me? You're talking about it being an older movie, and we saw it was 30 years old, and we saw it a million years ago. If you ask me quickly, the name of the best movies I've ever seen. Okay. Yeah. Almost every film I would blurt out is at least fifty years old, uh, which says more about me, perhaps, and more about us than anything else. But you no, it
0: doesn't say anything. i, I not all my movies. Okay. Are well, 50 you, years you
1: you, you yeah. and I may be different here. But yes, we are different. The first things that jump to my mind are things like you know, on the waterfront, West Side Story, uh, The Graduate, movies like that. You might come up with something in the last thirty, forty years that makes the cut. I don't know what yeah. you have in mind, but uh, it is a little odd. Those movies are more than 50 years old, and those are the ones that resonate. that may have something to do with time of life. I don't know. Yes. Okay, maybe. You want to tell me quickly a uh, recent movie you think is in there? No,
0: I don't want to go into that okay, now. Okay, fine. You know, All right. I'll, I'll make up a list, but I certainly you know, have uh, had many movies kind of stop me in my tracks. All right. Fairly recently.
1: Good for you. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. I, I, I can't think of one. Maybe if you named them, I'd get it, but we can talk about it some other time. Alright, so finally, um but let me tell you something. The group of the best movie I ever saw, I know where I'm going is in that list, I'll tell you that. Uh you agree?
0: Yeah. And okay. I have some I have some favorite movies that are ridiculously old. All right, fine. Okay. Uh there's no question about that. Yeah. But I don't think uh you know okay. production of interesting uh, beautiful I, I, movies. I don't mean is to be stock. that harsh.
1: I don't mean no. that harsh. But those are the ones that made the strongest impression. So finally, uh This article says day of home opener game will be eclipsed. Uh, What does that mean? That means that uh, there's a solar eclipse coming, a total solar eclipse. Total. Apparently, that doesn't happen too terribly often. Usually, when it happens, it happens over the ocean. It's very rare that anyone gets to witness it. Well, a total eclipse of the sun is on the path to Cleveland in April and it won't be there again until 2444. So it's like, see it now if you really want to see it. And as it is, as it stands, and they can do this pretty precisely, it will occur on the same day as opening day for the baseball season in Mm
0: -hmm. the spring,
1: April 8th, I believe, uh, 2024. And so they're trying to figure out how to handle that in Cleveland. Do they make it a uh, an early game and people watch the eclipse later do they make it a night game people watch it before and they've decided they want to make the eclipse pretty close to the game because it's the thought of everybody being in the stadium being able to experience the eclipse together and it'll be a wonderfully memorable event that way so
0: they're going to hand out the
1: yeah they glasses hand up, or although something. in a total eclipse you don't have to wear those glasses because there's no sun coming through a total eclipse total eclipse. There's no ray of sunlight around it, no corona, according to this. All right. Right,
0: but as it's as, as it it's
1: goes, as it goes, yes. Going. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe they will. It's not a it's a good handout, you know. It's better than a bobblehead. Uh there is one other example where this happened. Uh there was a a minor league team uh called the Hot Rods in Bowling Green that had a similar situation. They started the game with the thought that uh It would end like a half hour before the eclipse. People might stay in their seats. And what happened was everything's on schedule. And the team that was losing had a big rally in the eighth inning, tied the game. They got very nervous, so it was going to run into the eclipse. And the game ended five minutes before the eclipse, which was perfect. And everybody got to experience the eclipse. So, uh, I mean, it did remind me of a story like, you you know, this is a... Cosmic event. It's like, you know, the world will come to an end before the Cleveland Guardians win a world championship. It's like that kind of thing. But it reminded me of the story from that book that I was telling you about. Right. Where uh, Gaylord So, what Perry, book is that? This is, uh, oh, I don't know, 100 Best Baseball Stories by uh, Joe Pesnansky. Okay. And. The uh, recent,
0: much appreciated birthday gift.
1: Right. From. From the California group. Yeah. From Zeke and Noel and Pepper, of course. And. Um, In that book, the opening story uh, is that uh, it's 1962 and Gaylord Perry, who was a pitcher for the Giants, is taking battle practice, batting practice. And Alvin Dark is watching him and saying, geez, you know, this pitcher can't hit. And he turns to his coach and he says, they'll put a man on the moon before Gaylord Perry hits a home run, right? Seven years later, uh, Gaylord Perry's pitching happens to be the day of the lunar mission by the U.S., A certain time in the afternoon in California, man lands on the moon, half hour later, Gaylord Perry comes to bat, and he hits the only home run he ever hits in the major leagues.
0: (laughs) That's a great story.
1: It's unbelievable. So there you go. Let's see if the clips can live up to that. All right. we got to go. We've got to go.
0: If you're looking for stuff to watch, I know where I'm going. Oh, the best. The best. The best. And you won't do badly with driving Madeline either. No. So
1: All right. So until then this is Dan Abuhoff until next week. And Tamson
0: Granger with Tamson and Dan Read the Paper. See ya. Still on Baby Watch.
1: Still That's <laughs> oh, true too.